You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin Cities sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. I cannot say this strongly enough. We believe the NCAA is simply wrong to have made this decision. The facts of this case are simply terrible, causing many to find the detail of the appeal not compelling. The pain this decision has created for our fans and our players who were not involved in the events in question is perhaps the most regretful result of this determination. That is the uh, president of the University of Louisville, right? Postal, Postal, whatever his Greg name is. Greg Postal, I believe Greg is the name. Postal. Postal or Postal, one of the two. And uh, today, uh, the NCAA did uh, did not uh, agree with uh, Louisville's appeal of the recommended uh, punishment for the hooker gate, basically, the uh, hooker scandal uh, that they had at Louisville a few years back, and vacated uh, all the wins for four years, including the 2012 uh, trip to the Final Four and the 2013 National Championship. And this is a first, the first time in basketball that they have taken away a title from anybody. Uh, They vacated the Gophers. They vacated one year. I think they vacated two of the four teams that were in the tournament. They vacated a bunch of teams, but they have never vacated a champion before. And uh, this, fellas, does not even take into account the latest thing that got Patino fired. Patino wasn't going to get fired for this. And, in fact, I believe he'd only received a five-game suspension, right? Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yes. Yep. Apparently, and I've been reading a lot of stuff today by Pat Forty and other people, and that is sort of the new NCAA way of really punishing these teams by taking away victories because they really hit hit that people hit hit the school hit their fan base really right in the gut when they take away victories we've experienced that at minnesota when you look up clem's record there's what five six years where there's it says zero and zero and uh louisville uh, first ever team to uh have a national championship vacated and as i say whatever games they've won probably since then are going to end up being vacated because of this other scandal that they have coming on now. And Rick, meanwhile, uh, Rick Pitino still suing the school for $37 million to get his contract paid. So. Well, I was going to say, too, I think this this hurts Louisville financially, too, from the standpoint they have to give back the money that they made yes. during yes. that t- during that four-year period, How too, much right? was that? I'm well, sure I the saw is, the. But. I think the president or the AD or somebody said it's a million bucks. It's less than a million. So... You know they divided 
they were uh, ACC member when they won the national title, right? So they were they 2013. Were they Big, Big East? East? I think they were Big still Big East. Still. East. I think so. Okay, well they had to divide it up with all those. You know, you, you it doesn't. You don't get to keep it all unless you're Notre Dame. But uh, what a what a kick in the shins, man! And uh, uh, Richard uh, Richard's father's legacy isn't too good, is it? Well, and I wonder too when we heard about this, how much of this was the infraction that took place and how much of it was the defiance that Rick Pitino has shown over the years towards, you know, various allegations just like this. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know if they take that into account or not. They probably do. They, they, they like you to, uh, I mean, he was gone. If he had, admitted that he knew sure, about running exactly. the hookers. He would have gotten fired back then. Because we all remember when he went on Mike and Mike and started talking about the dead brother-in-law, and we thought, what are you doing? This has mm-hmm. nothing to do with your brother dying in 9-11. But the NCAA, I don't think the, NCAA, I think the NCAA actually took this action before we found out about Bruce Bowen, right? And the, the kid that they, uh, okay. the FBI had him uh, paying to the recruit that fell out of they the sky. They fell out of the sky. Year. Can't believe they got year. him. So, uh, that was a, actually Louisville's final year in the Big East in uh, 2013 when they okay. won a national title, yes. All right. Well, uh, there uh, there it goes. It's gone. And uh, it is uh, quite the uh, quite the punishment uh, by the NCAA. And they just did this to Notre Dame, too. They took away... Uh, that that twelve and one season of Notre Dame's, where they played for the national championship in football, because uh, supposedly uh, they had some academically ineligible players playing on that uh, in those teams. It was certainly nothing like this scandal, but they took away two years of victories for Notre Dame. And when you take football victories away from Notre Dame, yeah. you are hitting them where they live, just like Louisville where all that really matters is basketball and uh that's uh they uh I, I saw Pat Forty column. He was he went over to the Yum Center today after the uh, announcement and the banner was still up there. But uh they're gonna have to take the banner down and they're gonna have to take all uh evidence of the two thousand thirteen championship. I I think it was the university president said it'll still be in our memories though. And it's, you know, ninety seven still in our memories here, but uh more than anything, this more than Louisville uh, the Louisville basketball this ruins uh, Rick Pitino's uh, image as a, I mean, legacy more than anybody, don't you think? More it's, than Louisville itself. Sure, uh, yeah, it it does, and like you said, they they take it about as serious as any sport in any in any school uh, basketball down at Louisville's. But I did, their arena is really called the Yum Center. Uh, KFC a Yum Center. Oh, yes, they they okay. they played in uh, Freedom. They played in Freedom Hall for years, and then they build them a new arena downtown. Gotcha. And, uh, I okay. mean, that's it's the they moved from the old Freedom Hall, which was a great old arena, and uh, which I think was out by a fairgrounds or something. And uh, they moved downtown to the KFC Yums, what they call the Yum Center, because I guess Yum was the company that owns KFC. Okay, okay, know. that makes sense. Now here's here's yeah. my question. Now when. When these teams, you know, with basketball and football especially, when they win national championships, they get rings, right? 
Yes. So when they when these championships are vacated, do they have to give these? Like, is Gorky Jane going to have to give like, yeah, his ring back? No, the, because those are given by the school. By the school, you know? okay. I mean, gotcha. the, the NCAA had nothing to do with the ring. They don't finance the rings. The uh, <laughs> gotcha. I think they put limits on how much you can spend on the rings, but uh, you know, I mean, they can maybe request you return your ring, and that'll make Gorky even more sad, according Gorgie, to the mayor. Yeah, Gorgie could uh, tell them to go bleep themselves, you know. So, so anyway, unbelievable. Hey, our guy Chip Scoggins, I just talked to him. Uh, you know, the cell phone, cell phones have been improved pretty good, fellas. I just talked to him in in Korea, and he was crystal clear. He's got to get on a bus and go see Lindsey Vaughn in about twenty minutes. Uh, go Who up the doesn't? Hill. Yeah, <laughs> go up the hill. But uh, we're going to talk to Chip when we get back. It is 7.15 a.m. on Wednesday in uh, Korea right now, and Chip Scoggins is preparing to go up and cover Lindsey Vaughn's effort in the downhill for the Star Tribune. Uh, let's not have this one blown out by wind, okay? <laughs> yeah, the wind has been a big, uh, a big pain in the butt up there. Um, I think they've had four races that have been uh, either postponed or moved. Uh, they had uh, one, I guess they're supposed to have high winds up there uh, tomorrow, Friday, so they had to move it back till Thursday, or whatever Friday, <laughs> move it back to Thursday, which means that uh, Michaela Schifrin um, is not going to be able to compete in the downhill, which is sort of a bummer. I think a lot of people were hoping to see kind of that heavyweight matchup between her and Vaughn, but uh, it's just not enough recovery time for her, so she pulled out of downhill. So I would think that... Uh, if the conditions are normal and there's not a lot of wind and uh, fair for everybody that Lindsay should be the favorite uh, in that event. She won gold in Vancouver, and she won three uh, tune-up events uh, in January before coming to the Olympics in the downhill, so she's, she's skiing pretty well. And it's looking good for uh, today uh, as far as it's not howling up there. Boy, that must be quite the place. Uh, I I've, I know I've taken a couple of bus rides up the mountain and turned around and went back three hours later because they didn't get the uh, downhill going. It's it's amazing when you look at it how high they are, isn't it, where they start from? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it always... I had that feeling when I was in Sochi, and the, and the same feeling again when I was out there uh, earlier this week to watch the, the Super G. When you stand at the bottom of that hill and look up, and you're thinking they're going to come down that, <laughs> <laughs> they come flying off that off that hill, and uh, it is amazing. It you know it it takes a while to get up there. Um, it from our media village, it's an hour and a half, and then you would love this, Pat. I don't know if you did it in your in your former Olympic days where you got to ride the chairlift up. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a little you know. I, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but um, when you're hauling equipment and all that, uh, becomes a little bit of a pain. But um, yeah, you, you, the first time we took three buses and the chairlift to get there. Now we we wised up and we figured out a, uh, a shorter route. We can get a direct bus from the media village there. I remember riding up there with Bill Livingston, uh, and that was quite an, uh, a, uh, a contest there. Because there wasn't room for a third party, let's put it that way, in the chairlift. And uh, any little movement, and we were both terrified, that's for sure. So, uh, better Olympics than uh, Sochi, do you think? Uh, have you enjoyed them more? Yeah, it's, it's been... Uh... 
you know, it's just and some she wasn't poorly run. I'll say that they, they, the volunteers did a great job, but this one's very efficient. Uh, I got to be honest with you that the Korean people are the nicest people. You can't even walk three feet with a lunch tray, and they're going to take it from you and, and throw your stuff away. It's just um, they have gone out of their way to to make this uh, as convenient and as, as enjoyable as possible. The the uh, venues easy to get to buses are fine to get to um so and, and i didn't dislike the sochi olympics uh, you knew that, that place was going to be a ghost town as soon as everybody left town um uh, whereas it's a different feeling here but um yeah it's been incredibly well run and organized well maybe they decided to play good this time after cheating like they did in the, when the olympics were in seoul <laughs> with roy jones and a few Not other a few other things, but uh, hey, now uh, are you going to come back to uh, town here and start a your cook your own meat restaurant? <laughs> Man, that's not what I expected when I walked in that restaurant. It was uh, I went to that restaurant, so I'd, I'd eaten chicken fingers the first couple nights and uh, opening ceremonies. You only we only got one ticket to that, and our Olympics rider Rachel went to it, so I decided to walk around trying to find a decent meal and. I saw this picture of this beautiful-looking steak on the window, and I almost, like, tore through the door to, to get in there. And I sit down, and they take me to the back. And my back, I mean, I literally almost had to walk through part of the kitchen um, to get back there. And then they start bringing out all this stuff and these spices and lettuce. And they brought out the, a big pair of scissors, which I had no idea what I was going to do with that. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and the server comes out, and then he, he, he brings a skillet and puts it down on the – on the burner in the middle of the table, I'm thinking, sweet, they cook it right here. This could be nice. So I asked the guy, I said, you guys cook it here? And he's like, no, you. And I'm like, me? <laughs> I got to cook it. I have to cook it. And uh, so he's like, yeah, so they bring all this meat. I had no idea what it ordered. Had no idea. It could have been $10,000. I had no idea how much this thing cost. Um, but I got to be honest with you, it was, it was awesome. I cooked it. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I hate to cook. I'm terrible at it. But this was a great meal, and it. And it was inexpensive, so I, I you know, I, I won on both fronts. Tell me about the city. Is it a is it a wintry village? Is it a great big place? What what is uh, what's the city like? No, it's uh, yeah, it's not um, it's not only big. I mean, the the where the village is, the media village. It's you know, it's got restaurants. It's uh, it's a lot more happening than Sochi was. Sochi, you were just isolated. There was nothing there. Um, here, you got. You know, you, you know, I saw uh, stores like not a Target, but something similar to that. Um, you saw a sporting goods store, so it's it's definitely a lot more modernized than what we had in Sochi. Um, up in the mountains, uh, it's it's more, and that's where the it's funny. That's where they put the main press center this time was up in the mountain cluster, which is opposite of what they normally do. Um, but it's more resorty, um, has a more resorty feel to it. There's not a whole lot up there. Um, it's just kind of little uh, resorts and ski resorts type thing. And so it, it's a little more secluded up there. Uh, but down here, you feel like you're in a big city. Uh, how far from the North Korea border? So, someone told me 30 miles. Okay. Um, and, and, and they're actually running um, excursions up to the DMV. You can sign up. They run up there every day. And I thought about it doing, uh, doing later this week. But I talked to a couple of my rider buddies that, went up earlier in the games and they said it's kind of cool but you don't really get that close you only get there's a museum up there and you're they said you're basically about two miles from the actual dmz and so you're pretty much just looking at mountains you're not really seeing a whole lot and so i think i'm gonna 
pass on that one, but um, you're not far. I mean, you're definitely not far. It's like 30 miles. So what's the military presence in? Not, it's weird. None. Really? <laughs> None whatsoever. Uh, that's the thing. Like when we were at uh, in Sochi, and it wasn't it wasn't in your face so much, but you saw guys walk around with machine guns. I mean, just everywhere you went, that's that's where they were here. You, you see nothing. I mean, you see security guards, um, you know, at the different venues and whatnot, but I haven't seen any military, none whatsoever. And the security is not as, I mean, you have to go through your uh, screening process, like metal detectors. We wear these, you know, our lanyards, our, our uh, credentials, and it has a little barcode in it. You walk through a security thing and it, you know, recognizes your face and everything. But in terms of when we were in Sochi, you would have to uh, check in before you got on a bus. And then if you went up to the mountains, let's say, for a 45-minute bus ride, when you got to the top of that, um, there had to be the same. They would put a piece of tape over the over the door when the last person got on. And when you got to the mountains, that tape better not be removed, and they'd get on and make sure the same number of people were on the bus <laughs> when you when you started that when you finished. Uh, so it was a lot tighter there. Um, here it just hasn't been... Uh, really any noticeable um, and that's not to say that there's no security but you just don't see the military like we saw at Sochi what uh, what athlete to this point has dazzled you the most um has dazzled me the most hmm ah well probably Schifrin um the way she she skis uh she's she's pretty dynamic the ones I the ones I'm just fascinated by are those those Crazy ski jumpers! Uh, you couldn't. Oh, yeah. Those guys are nuts. I mean, I said um, one of the first days here, I went to a training uh, session and sat down there for ninety minutes and just watched these lunatics jump off that off that uh, ski jump. It, it's it's crazy how high and fast and just that they're willing to go down that thing. Um, so I, I love watching that event. Um, you know, Sean White's always fun. I mean, he's you know. He's kind of a character uh, himself, but he, he's fun to watch compete. I mean, those, any of those snowboarders, I know some of the some people kind of roll their eyes at the new age sports here and the snowboard events, but um, I sort of get a kick out of watching some of the tricks those guys do. And if we didn't have the X game style events, uh, the Yanks wouldn't be doing much over there. Yeah, that's that's my calling for tomorrow, Pat. Um, thank God for snowboarding. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Nor- Nor- Norway is lapping the field right now. Uh, yes. I, I don't. I think they're at twenty eight medals. Uh, they're which you know Norway is going to be good in the Winter Olympics, but they're they're far and away above everyone else. Um, and the Americans are uh, bringing up not the rear, but I think we have last going into yesterday. I think it's ten. I think we. I uh, grabbed a few yesterday, but um, we're well behind the pace that Norway set. And uh, we used to be a real competitive in the speed skating, and those days seem to be long yeah. over. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, going to try to get there um, on Thursday or Friday. Remember, that was a big talker at that Sochi. They went, they got blank, no medals. Yep. Uh, and that's one that you could always count on. And if you remember, um, all the speed skaters, they blame the. Uh, Blame the uniforms they had, I guess, Under Armour, oh, yeah. some design flaw that they slowed them down. They blame the training. There's a lot of a, kind of excuses, and they say, well, there's no more excuses this time. We're going to do better. And they thought they would win five. Um, I haven't checked to see if they have any, but uh, that's one where they really stumbled the last couple times. I went there the first night and looked like they were going to win one, and uh, this Heather Bergsma, she just, last lap, she just 
lost it. I mean, she, she was uh, leading. Looked like she was going to take gold, and just I think she wound up coming in eight. Just completely hit a wall. So I don't know what's going on there, but they're not uh, they're not anywhere where they used to be in, in uh, terms of internationally. You know, being one of the better ones. Well, you're in the home stretch here. You're going to make it. So uh, and gold, Lindsay. That'll be uh, that'll be fun to write if she can win a gold here. Yeah, that'd be fun to go up there and see if she can win one. That'd be a, that'd be a heck of a story. Okay, Chip. Thanks for your time, sir. Thank you, Patrick. We'll see you when you uh, get back. All right, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist. What do you think of? Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 15 years, that I would lose cell power once in a while in Golden Valley. We've kind of improved it. You're saying we? technology has taken a step forward. <laughs> technology, cell phone technology has taken quite the step I, forward. I will be I will be fully uh, honest with you here, though. I was kind of hoping for Patrick in, uh, was it Stock- in, Sc- in Scotland? Scotland. In Scotland. Yeah, I was hoping was, for a little uh, bit of that. That was 2002. That was 2002. A beautiful, clear night in 2002, and all of a sudden, the gremlins got us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, not this time. Well, uh, I, I kind of wrote a blog about this today. Just last night, I, I was inspired how when you cover the Olympics, by the time you get to the second week, you're just euphoric because you can see the finish line. When you get to that last Monday, you're saying, oh, man, I'm going to make We're almost because, there. Well, you do about, you know, you go, you get three hours of sleep every day for for two weeks. And, uh, you know, it wears on you even when you're younger. So, uh uh, but uh, Chip Scoggins and Rachel Blount covering it for the Star Tribune, and they're hot, they're tough to cover when you have this big of uh, a time difference because it's uh, if you if you're still worried about the print edition, it's you know you're kind of writing stuff that's a day and a half late. Uh, although this one hasn't been quite so bad, it doesn't seem. Uh, they've they've scheduled more events in the morning than they did when I covered them in Sydney. When you know you you were basically had you know events were being held at night and. Uh, and they, which meant it was a day and a half later over in the U.S. So, all right, we uh, shall return. Hey, we're going to talk to Andy Greeter uh, later from the Pioneer Press. We will break down that Sterling basketball game between the Badgers and the Gophers last night a little later. Here is John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by KFC. If you like sharing and eating fried chicken, then KFC's $10 chicken share is perfect for you. Grab a friend and get to what you like doing. KFC, it's finger licking good. John, can I give you a sports update? Surely. 89-year-old George Toma <laughs> is uh, currently uh, walking down the right field line uh, with a great big huge wheelbarrow that has something else in there with it, a wheelbarrow, and a uh, great big ladder, and he's not even close to being done for the day yet. He's wow. still working on the field here. There are still this. more pebbles to be found. There are, well, he hasn't even brought out the pebble picker. <laughs> no, yet. he hasn't brought out the pebble picker? Uh, but the first game is Thursday, so I expect a lot of pebble peak, picking tomorrow night. <laughs> Definitely. Too Definitely. bad his name isn't Peter. Picked a peck of pe- Careful. pebbles. <laughs> Peter picked a peck of pebbles. Uh, speaking of the Twins and what's going on down in Florida, uh, manager Paul Molitor will be slow to roll out his A lineup this spring. He uh, talked with reporters today about his plans for early assignments. As far as pitchers go, uh, they play Thursday against the University of Minnesota, and uh, lefty uh, Steven Gonsalves will start that game. 
Aaron Slager starts Friday's road game against the Red Sox. Aldoberto Mejia pitches Saturday against the Orioles, and uh, Kyle Gibson goes Sunday in the first real home game at Hammond Stadium against the Rays. Uh, he'll throw in some other pitchers. Obviously, it is spring training. Also, we found out today from the manager, Miguel Sano, will be worked in slowly because of his offseason surgery to his shin and a focus on his conditioning. Uh, Brian Dozier will be worked in slowly because he's missed the first two days of workouts while he deals with a kidney stone. And uh, the manager also said Joe Maurer will be worked in slowly. Uh, just because he's Joe. because he's Joe Maurer. He had the exactly. new goggles the way, on today, I saw. Yeah. Joe. He did. He, he was showing them to us. And what they, they make the ball look hard to see, so then it will look easier to see when you're actually hitting. Oh. You try to focus through these. There's some kind oh. of a special glasses deal. He was showing them to us. Nike, I think, made them. And the ball is kind of fuzzy and hard to see. And so then, it's they're basically like beer goggles. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know, but he says he's been doing it for two or three years. I just didn't notice. But damn, is he affable this week. This, uh, really? Spring. It's a new Joe? Yeah. Well, he's got one year left, and he's coming off a decent year, and he doesn't have to hide from people. So, Do the goggles make you say, come at me, bro? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he just uses them in the batting cage. He doesn't walk around with them on. <laughs> I don't know what happened. That ball looked a lot cuter earlier. <laughs> You're cute. Do you have a sister? <laughs> I suppose he uses them to tease his daughters with, too. I don't know. The twins. Trevor Hildenberger had a good first season with the Twins last year, 3-3 three and three with a save and an ERA of 3.21. Uh, he was on with Mackie and Judd this morning here on 1500 ESPN. Uh, had a funny story when they asked him when it actually sunk in that he was fitting in on a major league roster. Uh, I think it took a while for me, but what really helped was my catchers, Castro and Jimenez. Um, Jimenez was really, really supportive um, verbally. I think I remember a, a mound visit mid-game where he just came out and punched me in the chest and said, you know, you're nasty. When I die, I want to get reincarnated as you. <laughs> like, well, that's the most complimentary statement I've ever heard. <laughs> well, they won't be able to have frivolous nope. bound visits like that anymore. He seems like a world-class great dude, Jim and Nice kid. Oh, Oh, Jim and Ed? Yeah. Yeah, they really wanted to keep him, but you got to give Garber a chance, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Hildenberger also told the fellas he's been working on a couple new pitches to mix in with his somewhat uh, odd delivery. He, in fact, told them if all goes well, he'll probably have six pitches to choose from this sure. year. Well, good luck. Kenny, my favorite Chris Jimenez moment from last year, he hit an extra base hit. He slid in a second, and uh, he always goes with one or two buttons down on the top to sure. show off the sizzle. Sure. Yeah. And he looks at the dugout, he goes, one more. So he unbuttoned <laughs> one more from the top. Like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> and he signed with the Cubs, yeah. so he might win the World Series. Yes. The sizzle, gonna be, huh? He's going to be used. He's going to be used catcher. Yeah. Darvish. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Who's their starter? Oh, uh, Wellington. Contreras. Contreras, that's Contreras. Yeah. Uh, Gopher women's team back in action tonight. Indiana in town for a game against the Gophers. Uh, of course, the last two games, the Gophers have beaten top 25 teams. Thursday. Have the top 25 yet? I didn't see a uh, new top 25 yet. Thursday you. guest on the ride with Ricey, Carly Wagner. All really? Right. Yep. Uh, nice. She's having a fine senior season, and will finally get to go to the NCAA tournament in her senior season. They're, they're playing well, no doubt about it. Uh, from the Vikings division, guard Josh Sitton confirmed today he's going to be a free agent next year because the Bears don't want him back. 
Bears declined the option. He's like 47. Uh, he's only 31, Chris. Oh. 31 he year might old. be back in Green Bay. Aaron liked him. 31-year-old sit and told Brad Biggs of the Tribune he had a great conversation with the Bears GM about the team's decision. He said he appreciates the team telling him well ahead of the March 9th deadline so that other teams know he'll be available. He also confirmed he plans to sign with one of those teams once he's able to officially move on. I can name a team Chicago. that's looking for a guard. <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah, wasn't he one of Aaron's buddies? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, I bet he goes back there for Probably. half the money he was making, you know. Yeah. Well, I'd take okay. him. I'd oh, take yeah. him. Well, you, cause you, you know, you're going to start with five, but you're going to need 11. <laughs> exactly. They get six guys hurt every, every, every year. The yeah. offensive line goes down. He should wait till like week eight to sign with the Packers because <laughs> so that he won't get hurt like have preseason to go to or something. Won't have to go to training camp. John, you did a fine job. Thank we you. Will, uh, we'll be back. I might have said this yesterday, and my memory isn't what it used to be, but uh, there is an element of Twins fandom out there, uh, and I, there's probably an element of fandom involved in every sport that qualifies here, but for some reason I think the Twins, uh, the, this this fandom of experts, the, you know, the expert fans, I think are bigger idiots with the Twins than any other team in town. I could now, not agree with that more. And... Uh, I'm bringing this up because the Twins, uh, when asked about uh, pursuing you, Darvish, or other high-profile free agents, said, "Yeah, we're gonna. We want to make an offer. We want to try to sign you." Uh, Thad Levine had him down in Texas. He was down there. He liked them. They'd like to. They'd like to get you, Darvish. But it was always a long shot. Right. Yep. Yep. The Dodgers, the Cubs. Uh, you know, once the Cubs said they were in, I didn't think there was any. I I thought, you know, he's not going to come here and pitch in April and May when it's 15 degrees out, and with a club that is, you know, maybe the 12th or 13th favorite to win the World Series. Right. So then this becomes the Twins. Promised us you, Darby, should all they got us was Jake Odorizzi, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So now I got a question. I'm here. If the Vikings don't get Kirk Cousins, <laughs> are we going to be as upset with the Vikings as we are with the Twins because they didn't get you, Darby? No, and I'll tell you why. Because along with that same narrative that floats around with that certain section of Twins followers, there's also this inherent idea that the Wilfs do whatever they can to go out and spend money on on players when the league has a hard salary cap and a hard salary cap minimum and baseball's financial structure is completely different. And uh, and, and they uh, the one of the Twins narratives you get to see is the Polads are minting money at Target Field. Uh, they're now a revenue-sharing team. Okay, they're back. They, they paid in a couple of years. But they're now a revenue-sharing team, which means other teams are supporting them because our attendance and revenues have fallen to a point that we're in the bottom 15. Which, in fairness, is a product of how rotten they've been. Oh, yes, that is true. That is true. But the poll ads are not minting money at Target Field because the... I, I, I wrote these. I don't have these numbers. But I came up with it. It cost them... 
between paying off the stadium, they didn't have to pay anything for the Metrodome, paying off their share of the stadium, paying the upkeep on the stadium, and all other things, it cost them roughly $60 million more to operate beyond player's salary than it does than it did at the Metrodome. Uh, you know, and they, you know, the target field was not going to be all profit. And the, let's face it, there was never a financial plan based on a team that had won six out of nine division titles, having one grand year in target center and then, uh, target field and then going in the tank. That was not part of the plan, right? No. I mean, let's face it. I've said this 50 times. Spring training, 2011, the only question anybody asked me at spring training was, can we beat the Yankees this year, Patrick? And they went, what, 63-99? and Yeah. Finished 16-50, uh, and 50, I believe. Uh, so, and the, the fact that they went in the tank not only surprised us, it surprised them, believe me. They thought they surprised were good. Surprised everybody. It surprised everybody, and they are trying to, you know, they've tried to dig their way out of the hole with no pitching. But the idea that they've done, they haven't done enough this offseason after they somehow became a playoff team last season. Uh, Okay, they didn't get you, Darvish. They're not going to give Lance Lynn or Alec Cobb $80 $80 million. They just don't think they're worth it. And uh, they have brought in three veteran relievers. And they've brought in Oda Rizzi, who's a pretty good pitcher. And uh, this idea that somehow they have deceived us because they said, yeah, we'd like to get you Darvish. It's just idiotic. We tend to have this conversation throughout the baseball season a handful of times in that the way that people currently view how baseball should be evaluated, they they, they put everything on par with the other sports and the other yes. leagues when it's just, it's not fair. Especially the NFL. Because every other, there, there's, a, there's a hard salary cap in yes. every other league. And in baseball, whether people want to believe it or not, there are teams that play in different financial structures than the Twins. That's just how the that's just how the the, the sport of baseball is constructed. Oh, now you guys are going to be called Polad Pocket Protectors. Well, that's the new. The reason that's, is, the new, that's the but, new hashtag but Ziggy, going around. Hey, folks, you love Ziggy. He's paying the salary cap. He's making two hundred million dollars a year. Okay, that's his profit. Two hundred million dollars a year, and he could turn around and sell his team for probably $2 billion more than he paid for it, just because of the success of the NFL. But, hey, if he doesn't go get Kirk Cousins and figure out how to do it, then are you going to be upset that he lied to us? Did they lie to us, too? Right. And just because the financial structures are different for the Yankees, Dodgers, Angels, Cubs, whatever, it doesn't mean it can't be done in baseball because look at the Kansas City Royals. Yes, and uh, the Astros now are getting there. In fact, they ended up, after they brought in Verlander, like seven in payroll or something. But, uh, you know, the Twins have not had a terrible offseason. Now, the vibe right here is a little disturbing because of the Sano situation and because Irv gets, you know, you just don't like spring training to start with your best pitcher and your best home run hitter both iffy right sure, yep. so but this idea that they have done nothing to improve the team uh after last season 
is uh, is is just preposterous. And plus, too, the other part of the development of this team is giving these younger guys that some of them blossomed last year more at bats and more opportunity for growth. That is a big part of the development of this franchise. Uh, well, they don't really have that many young guys breaking in, but the the guys that played, you know, the the out the, the outfield is going to be the same. The shortstop is going to be the same, and. Uh, they got to get Sano uh, in shape to play and find out if the baseball is going to suspend him and all those things. But this idea that uh, they have done nothing, uh, Odorizzi's a good pitcher. They needed yeah. him. They got a pitcher. And now and look at your division. They didn't break the farm. Then look yeah. at your division. You've got three teams you know, that are basically trying to rebuild now with Kansas City and Detroit and Chicago. So it's you and Cleveland. The, the Twins are a team that's in a position that they can go either way. They're not a powerhouse, that's for sure. No. But even getting you wasn't going to make them a powerhouse. So anyway, people are uh, – it, it is a, this, this idea. The poll ads are worth billions, so why don't they spend their money – to and, get you, Darvish. Well, you, that's not the way sports works. And look, you, Darvish, is a really, really good pitcher, but this is not Randy Johnson and his prime that people were trying to sign here. Like, he's a really good pitcher. He's probably the best pitcher on the market. But it's not like they're not they're not trying to get, you know, Greg Maddox here or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just people got to calm down. All right. We shall return uh, this day in history. please we'll be on the air and now this day in history patrick and the judges reward that difficulty five nines oh my goodness the second mark is coming up this could do it and it does tell lipinski upsets michelle kwan Tara Lipinski, congratulations. You're the new Olympic champion. Oh, my God. That feels so good. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what it's like. And right now I'm, like, in shock. I, I can't believe I'm an Olympic champion. Uh, 1998. Uh, on this date, in 1998, uh, 20 years ago, Tara Lipinski, at age 15 in Nagano, Japan, became the youngest gold medalist in uh, singles women's uh, ladies figure skating. Uh, by defeating her rival, uh, Michelle Kwan. Poor Michelle Kwan won five str- five world championships, but she never won an Olympics. Uh, she, she never uh, did? She never won an Olympics. She got beat like, by Lipinski in 98, and they were ready to let her win in 2002, and she went out and stumbled around and gave it away. And I, I remember that uh, outsider, Sarah Hughes, who was uh, the third uh skater on the u.s team basically ended up uh, popping up and winning it so uh tara lipinski tara lipinski this day in history 15 years old she won the uh ladies figure skating